Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash Internet for details. and welcome back to yet again another episode of the beautiful game podcast as ever i'm your host budge i'm joined by my right hand man my partner in crime <laughs> dot what's going on bro i'm good budge man before we start i just want to shout out um the gold diggers for sending over this shirt um it's big a up, big up big non-profit up. women's you know football organization that you know wants to get more women into football so thank you charlotte for sending this over 100 percent, man shout out to you man and obviously, you know, our, our, our third man, part of the, the, the front three, uh, Dej couldn't be here today. So shout out to him. Unfortunately, uh, he couldn't be, uh, be here in the studio. So we're going to hold it down regardless. Definitely. You know, we've got a very, very special guest that we're joined um, by today. And I think we're going to have a really, really good chat with him. He's a Premier League uh, uh, player. Um, a swashbuckling, all-action, <laughs> dynamic uh, <laughs> midfield player who, uh, who who also has played in a number of different positions as well. You know, he's he's played at right back, he's played at centre back as well. And you know, maybe uh, uh, this is coming from a um, a biased perspective because I'm an Arsenal fan, right? But thinking about this guy in particular, I, I, it it reminded me of you know that Royal Navy advert where it's like uh, where where the, someone would be like, oh sure, I was born here but I was made in the Royal Navy. Yeah. This gentleman obviously currently is playing for Newcastle. However, he is a product yeah. of the famed <laughs> Hayland Academy. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about his playing career and all the rest of it. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome Isaac Hayden to the platform. Welcome, Isaac. Welcome, Isaac. All right, guys. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> Appreciate you finding Thanks the time, man. Yeah, thank thank you for making the time out to 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 come and chat to us, man. We really appreciate it, bro. No, no, no problems at all. No, it's been been a long time coming, so it's, yeah. uh, it's good to come on. No, we 100%. appreciate it. I think just to kick things off, I want to talk about you know player welfare. We're seeing you know a lot of COVID cases currently in the Premier League, and I think Jordan Henderson came out saying, "Listen, there's no care, there's no independent body that looks after the players." What's your feelings towards player welfare in the Premier League right now? I think I think it's a tricky subject because 
I think it's different for a lot of different categories of players, you know, because if you think about, for example, obviously Jordan with what he said, he's, you know, he's thinking a lot about the, you know, the, the top echelons of the players, you know. So, for example, the top six is where they've got Champions League, yeah. FA Cup, League Cup, Premier League, um, international games. If you're an international player, I can imagine it's, it's, it's tricky, you know, because you've got every international break, you're going away, you know, for, for 10 days of your country. You don't get, get a break in the international breaks. Uh, no days off. Then obviously you come back straight to a Premier League game. So it's, it, it's a nightmare really for those lads because for their families as well, you don't get any time off. And then obviously you've got Euros, World Cup. They're trying to bring in that World Cup every two years, which I think is ridiculous. Um, so there's no time off for the players, you know, if we're at that level, you know. Whereas obviously at the Premier League, is, there's different types of levels. Obviously still being a Premier League player, but I don't play international football. So, mm. you know, it's okay for me because international breaks, of course, you're still working, but you know, you usually get two, three days off during that time to spend with your families or do whatever you want to do. So for me, it especially at the start of the season, it breaks up quite nicely. Obviously, Christmas is a bit mad uh, with all the games and stuff like that, but that's just traditionally England. Obviously, every other foreign country has their own, you know, agendas or what they want to do within with their breaks and stuff like that. But England as, as a whole, has always been based around Boxing Day games, festive period being entertainment. So from that side of it, I understand the broadcasters and the Premier Leagues obviously thinking behind it, but I can understand for international players or players that are playing Champions League, playing three or four or five different competitions, mm. it's probably too much. But then for the lads that are not playing international football or not in Champions League or Europa League, like, for example, me, you know, players that are at other lower Premier League clubs um, at the moment, it's I don't see it being big of an issue. But I can imagine from the top lads, it is a big issue. But saying that, in the Championship, Championship lads have 46 games a year, plus FA Cup, plus Caps, they, so they have it as well. Mm. But again, the standards not, the level of games is not obviously the same, but it's a similar level of physical output that you're going to be doing. So it depends. For me, If you, I can understand where Jordan's coming from, but I can also understand where the the broadcasters and the the Premier League coming from. Hundred mm, percent. And and something else I wanted to ask you about Isaac is obviously at this point of of, of the year it's it's a festive period. Um, you know, typically people will be sort of winding down, spending time with family, so on and so forth. And already being a footballer, um, you know, this would this is uh, is is naturally a, a a difficult time for you guys because you know you're playing on on Boxing Day. You know, you don't really get a chance to. Uh, really sort of let down your hair and, and, and really relax over the Christmas break. How how much more difficult is it now with, with COVID? And like what what's what's like typically like a Christmas like in, in, in the Hayden household, for example? How do you spend your Christmas? Uh to be fair, yeah, it is a bit it, obviously COVID brings a, a new part into it, you know, mm. obviously because for example, my family obviously got tested before they came up to spend Christmas here. Obviously I get tested every day anyway. So um you know, the, you tried to create some sort of bubble and, mm. and be a bit sensible with it, but obviously not stopping family coming up. So I think that's pointless. But um, it's tricky because, I mean, ever since I was 17, I've been in every Christmas. Because even yeah. when you're at Arsenal, like, even though you're not in the first team, like playing week in, week out, at 17, I was training with the first team regularly. So when it's Christmas, you don't get 
the Christmas off, you're still training because they need the numbers for training and stuff. So mm -hmm. it's the same thing. So you always have to be ready and prepared. So since I was 17, I've always known it to be like this. So it's simple. I mean, this, for example, this year we, we were lucky because um, obviously the games today, well, I'm suspended obviously for today's game, but the game would have been today. So we actually had Christmas day off. We had a personal program that was given to us to do uh, on the day, um, just to keep the legs ticking over, mm. and obviously then trained yesterday. Um, but for example, the, the years before that, the last two years, I think we've had, I think last year was Man City away, and then the year before that was Man United away. So we had to then travel on Christmas Day in the in the in the in the evening, stay in the hotel, and then obviously play the game the next day, and then come back. So mm. that's usually what it normally would be, but. As I said, you just get used to it over the years when mm. when you've been doing it for so long, it just becomes the norm, you know, and you get, you do get usually after the January the 1st or 2nd we play, there's mm. usually like a week's break before we play FA Cup. And usually after that game, we get like a couple of days off just to, you know, relax, rest okay. the bodies, ready to go again. So what? So what's on the on on the menu then for you for a, on a, on a typical Christmas? Because obviously I know you're a fan of pigs in blankets. I know you oh, you <laughs> you probably can't uh, have have that over Christmas or you know yeah you can't you can't pig out. So what would what would your menu be? What 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 are you allowed to have with you know keeping in mind that you you probably would have a game on the Boxing Day or the day yeah. after whatever. What do you what to, can you? To be fair, it's pretty. I wouldn't. For me personally, I don't go too far away from a traditional Christmas dinner. I just reduce mm. the portion. Right. So, right, right. you know, if it's turkey, chicken, whatever it is, that's fine because that's sweet. You know, roast potatoes. It, to be fair, it's, it, it's different. If you play Boxing Day, Christmas yeah. Day is actually a carb loading day. So you really? actually carb load on Christmas Day. Right. So instead of... So you don't have pigs in black. Oh, see, that's that's a fatty. That's more fatty. <laughs> but, um, no, you, you have your, your chicken, your turkey... Um, vegetables, uh, roast potatoes, rice, whatever it is, but it's it's a similar meal to mm. normal. But you can obviously add a few bits in, but there's no cake, obviously, and all the chocolate and stuff like that. <laughs> that but to be fair, I, I've kind of moved away from that anyway. I mean, I used to have a really sweet tooth, but now I've, I don't know. It's just over time, if your diet is the right way, you don't. If you don't don't eat it, you don't miss it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, it's pretty standard to be honest, but because it's the day before a game, you carb load, so you do eat a lot of carbs. Mm. Um, so for me, it's, it's pretty similar to normal, just that the portion sizes are reduced. I think moving on to stuff on the pitch, obviously it's been a very, I would say, turbulent season at Newcastle so far this season. Obviously the club is now under new ownership um, and it seems like there's going to be bright times coming in the future, but you know, what have you seen from Eddie Howe? What difference has he made? He's uh, <laughs> he's certainly made a difference in in pretty much everything, really. Um, I mean, I, I I felt a little bit sorry for Steve Bruce at the end because obviously I worked with Steve before at Hull for a season, and he, he was very good to me. And obviously, when he came into the club, um, you know, he, he was very good to me again. Um, so I, I felt a little bit sorry for him because. Obviously, last year, towards the end of the season, the, the, the team did really well, um, won a lot of games, obviously finished 12th. Then, obviously, this season, we started again. I don't think we, we got quite got pre-season right. Um, you know, we we had a lot of players, a lot of key players that were 
either injured during pre-season or were carrying knocks and then therefore weren't as fit. Then we come to the first, you know, two or three games of the season and we were nowhere near fit enough. And that's not a dig at the manager or the coaching staff. It's just that, unfortunately, we just had a few injuries, a few knocks, and we just couldn't be as fit as we wanted to be. Um, and to be fair, obviously, there's a lot made of we didn't win, you know, for the first goodness knows how many games. But we were so, it was unlucky. Like, it was some of the games that you just sat them for, it, it's just not going for us, you know? I mean, we played Southampton at home. I mean, Alan's, I think it's Alan scored. We're 2-1 we're up, 94th minute. VAR penalty, obviously, Ward-Prowse puts it in like, like he always does. Um, that was unlucky. It should have been a win. We played Watford away. And when I mean it was, we battered them. It was like, <laughs> it, we battered them. Like it was, there was, there was no way that they could have come off the pitch afterwards and said that they deserved anything from the game. Mm. Um, and I mean, to be fair to them, they've strung a few wins together. They've done, they've done, they've done all right this season. To be fair to Watford, and I think that they're a good club with good players. Um, but that game, that particular game, I don't know how we drew the game. Um, so then there's that's two results already that we should have won, which is four more points. And if that's the case, we're not, you know, we're pretty much not in the relegation zone with there or thereabouts. And obviously those two games in particular um, probably cost the manager his job. Obviously a takeover is going to happen. It's probably inevitable anyway, mm -hmm. but I just felt a little bit sorry for him in the end because I thought it wasn't like we were so, like we were terrible in every game. Like we were there or thereabouts in a lot of the games and it was just small margins that were going against us and going against him as the manager. And um, eventually obviously pressure and obviously the ownership changed hands they were going to make a change eddie's come in and has said top top gaffer um knows his stuff man management is very very good but the intensity and his identity of plays is very very strong um and one that obviously he's trying to implement and trying to get better with the lads that are there but you can see that that's the most important thing to him is it's the identity of his play and i think that most players and and fans understand that he's got an identity and what it is and he wants you to implement it every day in training, every day in um, every every time in matches. Mm. Um, and, and as I said, he's, he's very, very strong on that and, and very, very strong on his man management side as well. I think just going back to the tenure with Steve Bruce, like how was it as players knowing that, you know, you're playing at St. James's Park in, in front of a full house, the stadium's rocking, but the minute you go a goal down, the atmosphere becomes almost toxic. Like, how, how is it for the players? Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, because as I said, he's your manager, so you have to respect him. I mean, to be fair, we had a few ding-dongs during our time um, between <laughs> him and myself. As like, it's player management, you know, you get these yeah. sorts of things. But to to be fair to him, he was always like, he's a he's a typical man's man, you know. Like, you could have an argument. Or whatever it is, but you shake hands at the end of it, and then he's that's it, it's done. There was no like mm. drag on with him. It was like you could say what you wanted to say, and then that was it, bang. So he was a proper old school manager in terms of you know proper man's man, you know. So I respected him for that, and it's tricky because it obviously the team wasn't doing very well uh, in some of the games, and like you said, you know you go a goal down, or you know we're not winning at half time, and sometimes it's like. It, it, the crowd does turn. I mean, I think, when was it? Which game was it? I think it was the Leeds game, which was probably one of the worst I've probably, since I've been at the club, 
was one of the worst atmospheres I've played in. Like we went one 0 down. I think Rafinha scored a cross. Like it was a cross, yeah, but it was like yeah, yeah. went straight it in. Yeah. There was no one there, but it just bounced and went straight in. And when that goal went in, I was far. The atmosphere was hot, and I was thinking, far. I was thinking, wow. <laughs> like, it was like literally. It was just you know when you just when it's like because obviously Leeds and Newcastle was quite a big. There's a little bit of a rivalry there mm. just because it's the closest Premier League club probably to Newcastle. Mm. Um, and it's always had a little bit of history to it, you know? So when they go one, they're like, obviously all their fans, they, they bring their, to be fair, their fans are incredible as well. Their away yeah. support is, is, mm. is, is impressive. Um, and when they're singing, you know, marching all together and all that, and they're one, they're like, and you can just see the fans turning. You can see the manager on the sideline. He's like, oh, like thinking what to do next. And then they're booing and you're thinking, and this is tricky but to be fair to be fair to the to the to the, to steve is he changed the formation after like 30 minutes and then he matched them up and we actually gave it a really good go and we we drew one one but we could have actually nicked the game so i think that it showed the character of the group that we regrouped at half time we came together didn't fold and then actually came out second half and probably could have nicked it um mm. but don't get yeah that's yeah some of the atmospheres were tricky to play in especially this season uh, just because of the hostility between obviously the fans and the manager. So it's always tricky, but you have to try and do your job and play the game plan that you're obviously trying to do in the game from the manager as best you can and sort of block the noise out. But sometimes it's tricky, like the Leeds game, it, you did sit there and think, before, oh, yeah. this is a bit, you know, it's a bit, bit tasty. <laughs> I can imagine. You know what? Come to think of it as well, I think. Steve came under a lot of scrutiny and criticism, I think. And part of it was, I feel, due to the fact that he was a slightly older gentleman, right? Yeah. And people feeling like his methods and his tactics were a bit outdated and whatnot. Yeah. And obviously you've got in uh, a younger, fresher-faced manager in, in Eddie Howe now. Yeah. What, what would you... Are you able to identify any key differences between both of their styles of management in terms of their tactics in terms of, you know, man management, all of that kind of, that, that kind of stuff. I think, I think the difference is, is that I think with, with Steve, I think sometimes he got caught up a little bit on the opposition and a little bit caught up on how good they were and what we had to do to stop them mm. rather than what we were good at and what we could impose on them. You know, I think Eddie's come in and to his credit, he's he's got everyone believing in, in themselves a little bit more ability-wise uh, and as a team. And, you know, we don't really show the teams that that much respect anymore, you know. Mm. Obviously, we played Liverpool the other day and they won 3-1, but, you know, we didn't sit back. We were kind of pressing them, making, you know, trying to Im impose our own performance mm. on the game. Even Man City, a couple of times we nicked the ball and could have scored or could have created something. So we're pressing teams a lot more. We're not really showing them that respect, especially high up the table. And I think that that's his mentality is that, you know, we, we've we got some good players that, especially attacking players that can hurt teams and and to be, you know, imposing our style on the game a little bit more. Um, but I think it just depends. As I said, it's, it's different identities, different styles. Everyone's got their own way. And, and let's be honest, um, whether people like it or not, fans or whoever it is, we finished 13th and 12th with him as manager in two seasons. So, and I mean, comfortably, you know, mm. 13th first, the first year. And then obviously 12th, it looked a bit better than it was because obviously the table was quite tight. But, you know, 
we've been in the Premier League now for what? This is our fifth season now. So in the day, the managers that have been in the past haven't done, you know, badly. Mm. Obviously, the expectation sometimes is quite high, but that's part of playing for a big club. Um, and people obviously want us to do better. But if you think about it, we finished 10th in the first season back in the Premier League, 13th, 13th and 12th. And then obviously yeah. this year is our fifth. So really, it, it's been quite comfortable in the end. Obviously, at certain points, we've been in tricky situations, but towards the end, it's been quite, you know, in the end, quite comfortable. Um, so people will look at it in whatever way they want to look at it. But when it comes down to the results and at the end of the day where we finished, we finished okay. I think um, going back to the game against Liverpool, I remember you guys actually took the lead. I think John Joe Shelby with a, a top quality finish. Um, yeah. And then obviously Liverpool were applying pressure and then there was a dubious goal for 1-1 in my opinion. And I'm a Liverpool supporter yeah. and I was like, that should have been ruled out because Mike Dean saw two players on the floor holding their heads and you were one of them. <laughs> yeah. So what's your take yeah. on the standard of refereeing in the Premier League at the moment? It's... <laughs> It's a tricky one because I don't, I don't, I don't like to make excuses. I'm not someone that makes excuses in terms of for uh, my own performance or the team's performance because obviously we haven't been good enough this season. But I do think that lately there's been. It's just tricky because there's no consistency in the Premier League. It doesn't seem anymore, mm. um, and that's the thing that I, for me personally, that's what I would want. You know, if I see that not given because of a head clash of heads, then you go, okay, or it's, if it's given like it was, you think, okay, sweet. But then you'll see another week, there will be someone else on the floor with a clash of heads, oh no, stop, straight away. Or VAR will rule it out and you think, but why was that not the same for us? Or for example, the big the big one for me was the uh, Man City the other last weekend when we played them and um, Ryan Fraser's gone in clear, and clear. Edison's come flying yeah, out and just pen. swiped him. Do you think there's like a big club bias? Because it seems like the top six always get these funny... I don't want to call it bias, but like, it, it's just for some reason, whatever it is, we, it, it's, just, it's just the way it is. I mean, it's like, it's almost going back to the Fergie times. Remember when these people used to say, oh, you get Fergie time. Yeah, yeah. Like, they like like they're losing, they get like six minutes and you're like, where's that coming from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's almost like, it's, it, but the thing is, is VAR was brought in to obviously give the referees a hand. Now, I think that lately, especially, you know, the last few weeks, then it's not being used for that because I think sometimes is that they're nervous to overturn decisions or to show the referees that like it's got better from when it first came in but i just think now i mean it's a stone it's, there's not one person who would look at that that ryan fraser's attack or edison on ryan fraser and say that's not a penalty even you look at cancelo who was on the who who had the ball he even stopped half stopped and turned around and was looking and thinking like yeah, waiting for the rest yeah, to blow yeah. his whistle and i was thinking that's obvious and then even if it's even when we played on, I was expecting VAR to come back and look at it yeah. like properly. But it seems like it's just looked at now, right, play on, checked. But then if it's someone else, it's checked for like three minutes. Yeah, it's a shambles. It's yeah, a shambles. It is. Like, it is. It's, like, it's not great. How can it be one minute is checked and it's like literally 20 seconds is checked, done. Right, we've seen it enough times, sweet. And then other weeks you'll play a game and you'll be standing there as a player for like two, three minutes while it says VAR is checking goal. And you're thinking, but then last week it was done in twenty yeah, seconds. Yeah, so what's yeah. the difference? 
So yeah. there's no consistency with the with with what's being offered, you know. Yeah. And that's the thing that frustrates me is that I don't mind whatever way it is. I just rather it be consistently that way. If you're not going to stop yeah. the game for a head injury in that situation for the Liverpool game or whatever, two players down the box, whatever it is, then that's sweet, cool. But then next week, don't stop it for a head injury for a game when it's the same as the week before. Yeah. So it's like they're picking and choosing when it, you know, when they want to stop it when they don't, and that's where it annoys me. But that's for someone else to to to, to, to officiate. Out, right? and, yeah, hundred percent. Um, Isaac, just going back a little bit, because obviously um, a little while back we were talking about um, the atmosphere, you know, and, and, and the crowd and, and how sometimes, you know, the toxic atmosphere can have an, an impact on players. I, I also wonder, because I, um, I think Dot touched on it when, when he spoke about the, the takeover. And I really just wanted to, to get your thoughts on, you know, how that drawn out process impacted the dressing room, yourself as an individual, are, are those things that will impact you on, on the pitch? And is it is it a situation where, like fans, you're you're probably just like, we just want to get it over and done with so we can move on? Or is it something that you just sort of block out and you just focus completely on the task at hand, which is, uh, you know, sorting out matters on the pitch? I think, to be honest with you, I think it, it, for the lads that have, that have just obviously arrived obviously in the last two or three two or three years maybe you could say that mm. but i think there's a few of us or there's a lot of us in the dressing room that have been there a long time now and this is like this is my sixth season it's the same for you know four or five six of the other lads um we obviously when we first got promoted back to the premier league um i think amanda um at the time was looking at getting a consortium or getting the consortium to buy the club then and that was in 2017 so that was four years ago so we, it was like every, it was almost becoming like not a laughing joke at the time, but it was mm. like, oh, the takeover is going to happen now. But it wasn't, you know, it was like every six months, it usually came around about December. And then before the summer transfer window, every year, it little, little surfaces, re stories would resurface about takeover. And it got to a point where, after the first year, when obviously there was a takeover possibility, you thought, oh, like this could happen. And then it didn't happen. And then the following year, it's resurfaced and you think, oh, it could happen. Then it doesn't happen. And then you get to the third year, you're like, nah, it's not, <laughs> you think, oh, like it's just like paper talk or whatever. So you don't really believe it. But then obviously this year, it was just like, yeah, it was a bit of talk at the start of the summer. And then literally then bang, just happened. And it was like so quick. None of the players really, you know, didn't have any inside information or knew anything. It literally just got reported on Sky Sports and that was it. And, you know, the, a few of the lads of, you know, we, we got told before it got announced on Sky Sports, but it was like, it wasn't like days before. It was like, you know, like an hour before, a couple of hours before. So it was still new to the players. So it was amazing for it to happen, you know, straight away um, rather than it being drawn out process again. But for the lads, it was just, or for me personally, it was just happiness for the fans, you know, because with all due respect to all the players that are there now, like these supporters have been supporting the club for, some of them have been supporting for 40 years, mm. you know, 50 years, or you get, you know, even 10 years, whatever it is, they've been supporting the club and they will support the club for the rest of their lives, you know. Us as players, we're only contracted there for a certain amount of time, even in a career, let's think about it as a career. Let's say that you're 
you're there for 10 years of your career or 15 years of your career, when you finish your career, you know, yeah. the likelihood of you being associated with the club in terms of supporting them or whatever, or you know, whatever it is, is slim. Mm. So whereas these supporters have been there from the start and they're going to be there when you're long gone. So for them to have that joy and happiness and to have that, you know, potential progression and potential to reach a high level, that's all that you want because us as players, obviously we're doing a job to be contracted there or whatever it is and we enjoy it. But when we're gone, we're gone. Yeah, They're still going to be there. So for them, it's the best thing in the world, you know, and that's the most important thing. I don't, sorry, but I have to ask, how is it for the players though? Because with change comes a lot of uncertainty mm. and I know in the next transfer window, you know, the January transfer window that's around the corner and in the summer, there's going to be a lot of changes at the club. How do the players feel about their futures? How well, do you feel? The thing is, is this is this is what everyone says. It's quite funny, actually. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's talking about it, really. <laughs> honestly, honestly some, it does make me laugh because obviously you're going to get some people that are going to be spouting all these names, like world-class names. That's, to be fair, Newcastle fans, the real Newcastle fans that actually go to the games and actually support and actually are in, live in the city. They don't expect Mbappe or that's that's just paper talk and all these you know people from outside the region that will talk about this. All they want to do is have some improvement around the stadium. You know, it got cleaned up. The sky, the sports director obviously got taken down the signs, which was important for the fans. You know, the training grounds getting a few bits done to it. Obviously, they want to improve the squad, like the players want to improve the squad because you get better players, you train with better players, you play with better players, you're going to improve. Mm -hmm. So as a player, you always want that. But the thing is, is that they go, oh, you know, they'll be like, oh, so-and-so, you know, this player or this player is going to leave in January and, you know, he'll get released and then well, we can buy this player. And I'm thinking, listen, guys, it's not football manager. Like, it's not like you can go online and you can, you know, look at the squad list and you look through and you go, oh, he's not playing, he's not playing, he's not playing. He'll get transferred there, he'll leave to go there and then we'll buy in this player. It doesn't work like that because yeah, but some, the day, as I, let's be honest sometimes when there's a lot of money involved in a football club it does work like that sometimes we, we see transfer it. windows yeah. where for example chelsea's first big window multiple in yeah. incoming qpr, when, QPR. They, when they came into money yeah qpr but the thing is is that the, the it's not sustainable chelsea is sustainable because they've got the success and that chelsea when they started to buy were already in the top six yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. so they were already a big like a club that was challenging to get there they only needed a little bit of a push to get there. Mm. We are way, way, way down in terms of compared to where Chelsea have started or even Man City. When Man City got taken over, they were top 10 still, like a guaranteed top 10, top eight side. So they just needed a bit more of a push to get there. Obviously, ours is going to be a much longer process to get anywhere near the, the top six because when you look at the other clubs that have tried, Everton, 500 million pounds mm. spent. Mm. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Leicester, it's taken them years to be able to be sustainably there. Their recruitment's been excellent. Um, mm. And, you know, they're, they're, they're there. Tottenham, you know, you look at the top six now, it's not really a top six, it's a top eight. Because you've got, yeah. what, Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Man United, uh, Arsenal, Tottenham, Leicester, West Ham are yeah. doing... West Ham are doing amazing. We must say Newcastle have, have doing ambitions very, very well. to join that though, Isaac. Yeah, so that's that's a, that's a, that's eight clubs. That's mm. a top eight <laughs> yeah. at the minute. And then you've got um, Everton, obviously trying to break into that. Um, who spent a lot of money, got a lot of good players. So there's already nine clubs. That's half. That's that's top yeah. ten. Mm. Yeah. So how are you? How are we going to get from here to breaking into that like that? 
It's impossible. Yeah, yeah, it's going to take impossible. time. Mm. Because it doesn't matter. You can chuck 500 million pounds at There's no guarantee that that's going to be the case because Everton have found that out. They don't, there's no guarantee about that. It's got to be the recruitment's got to be right. Players have got to be right. Then it's got to gel with obviously what the manager wants, what the club's ethos is. It's, there's all these different things. But for example, they go, oh, this player, it's impossible because some players have got contracts. If you've got a contract and you've got three years left, what, what are they going to do? Mm. They yeah. can't just say, well, you, it's not like a football manager. They go, oh, that player's gone, he's released. You can't do that. Yeah. Because, for example, they might have kids here, for example. They might have, a, they, you know, they've got a wife, two kids. The kids are at school. They're loving it. They've got three years left. Suddenly the club doesn't want them. It's not a case where they can just turn around and go, oh, we don't want you anymore. Bye. Well, hang on a minute. You've got three years left or two years left, whatever it may be. You sit and go, oh, you've got two years left. So at the end of the day, people, obviously, fans that don't, see it like that they don't see it from the from the from the um you know the the, the personal point of view they just yeah. see it from a football point of view or a business point of view oh well that player's not playing for example so oh he'll go in january but what about his personal side you know his kids might be in school his missus mm -hmm. might be settled they've just bought a house whatever it is it's not going to be a case of that easy to go well the club doesn't want you anymore see you later the, the club's gonna have to either pay them to, to go a little bit or Gonna, you know, so there's all these different things that people don't see or don't think about when they're going, oh, well, we've got, got to have this. And then the manager's not going to want to have players in his squad that he can't use because obviously there's only 25-man squad. So you can imagine if they want to go out and buy five or six players, then there's going to have to be five or six players from the 25-man squad that are going to have to go. Mm. And if mm. some of them don't want to go, what are you going to do? You're going to be paying players to be in the 23s or to be in the... It's impossible. Then you get a massive explosion of players in, the, in a club and the club's paying players millions of pounds a year to not do anything. So it's very, very tricky. Obviously, that's why they, they're owners and that's why they're directors of football, etc., cetera, or, or they're, they're, they're board-level people mm. because they have to make these decisions and do it well. Um, but it's not as easy as people think it is. You know, they go, oh, we're going to sign six players in January. And it's like the names yeah. get touted. It makes me laugh because they go, oh, these names that are touted. Haaland, Mbappe. <laughs> yeah, but, it's not, but not, even, not even players like that. But <clears throat> like you think players, for example, like they go, oh, that player will sign. It, but he might not want to sign. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So it's like they get linked here and it's like, oh, well, yeah, he'll sign. Yeah, but he might have <laughs> AC Milan or someone else involved. And then yeah. you sit and think, well, you know, which one do you want to choose? And you can chuck as much money at it as you want. This is what I mean. This is what I said. Some players are mercenaries. I understand that. I completely understand. You're going to get players that, you know, <laughs> some players just want a bit of money. I understand that. Because yeah. That's, that's, that, that happens. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not naive to that. Yeah. For me personally, it's not, it's not about the money because wherever you, these levels of players in the Premier League or players that, you know, are in Europe at a high level, is wherever you're going to go, you're going to get paid well. Yeah. It's not like you're going to be, you know, with all due respect to some of these European players, you know, are you going to get offered for, you know, 30 grand a week more? That To them, they're already on stupid money. Yeah. So it's, they want to win things or they want to be involved in a, you know, a something that's going to be, yeah, you know, yeah. project. Yeah, that's what I mean. So that's what's important to go for those types of players rather than players that, you know, oh, you're going to give them an extra bit of money. But, you know, do they care that they're going to, you know, you want to win or, you know, so mm. there's all these different things, but that's for the club to, to sort out. Um, but I, I'm, it's difficult. It's not, not as easy as people think. Yeah, it's not so black and white, is it?
No, the people think it is because obviously they play football manager or FIFA where, <laughs> yeah. they, you know, FIFA goes on to say, oh, certain, someone's not happy or whatever it says on the FIFA thing. Someone's not happy and you put them on the transfer list and they go. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not that easy. You know? So it, it'll be interesting. But from my perspective, it, it's just purely about myself. Mm. I can't affect what the club's going to do. If the club don't want me or they want to sell me, the club, that's their decision, you know? Mm. All that I can do, I'm a very... I, I always believe in in a saying, control the controllables. Yeah. You know? So that's my motto that I always live by. So if I can con control what I can control and do it well, then that's all that I can do. So yeah, that exactly. means, you know, training well, eating well, performing when I get the chance to play, doing my best, making sure that I give myself the best chance to perform at a high level. And if after all those things, I'm not wanted or... They don't they want to sell me. Nothing you can do about it. I hope my hands up and go sweet, no problem, because mm. I've controlled what I can control, you know? Mm. And that's all that you can do. Yeah. No, 100%. So. 100%. Do, do you know what, Isaac? What I wanted to ask you about is, like, things on the on the training pitch, right? So, as you already mentioned, you know, you've, you have you guys have been on the wrong side of a few results. Some that, you know, could have gone, gone, gone your way. But the table is a table and you are where you are, Right. I'm interested to understand what, like, the the vibe and what the, um, I guess the atmosphere is like in the, in on on the training ground when you're in a position like this, right? Is it, yeah. you know, is it is it important that everyone is still jovial and upbeat and and people are still like joking and and trying to keep that camaraderie, or is it sort of all all business focused, straight faces? We've got work dog to do. Fight. Do you get what don't I mean? The dog yeah, fight. yeah, no, I get what you mean. No, but it's impossible because, like for example, Rafa Benitez, uh, for me was the, you know, was was unbelievable for me personally, but was was great for for a lot of the lads and for the club. Is that he was a master at that? Is that if he was never too high and he was never too low? We could have won three. I remember this time we won three or four in a row. You know, everyone was getting you know overly happy and people were like oh my god like we're gonna you know amazing he was always the same like he was never like right he would never be too happy but never be too sad if we were losing it's so like for example with him we lost or not lost we, we didn't win for 10 games i think or 11 games and then we slowly started to win in, the, in that season and started to finish off quite well but like he was always the master of not being too high not being too low and it's the same with eddie he's very good with that as well is that he's a firm believer in having that spirit because if you don't have the spirit and you're too serious all the time, it's, you end up burning out because mm. when things don't go your way you, and you get too serious, it's just, it's impossible for the mind. And the mind is a massive thing in football is that, you know, confidence, form, whatever you want to call it, your mind plays a massive, massive part in, in, in high performance. Um, and if you're serious and you're too down or you, you know, too, Obviously, you've got to be focused at training. Obviously, Eddie is he's a massive advocate of training hard and making sure that there's purpose to training. That that's another thing that he's very, very good at is the training has a purpose. Everything's got a purpose, you know. Every drill, every exercise has got a purpose and it has to be done with intensity and, and purpose and intent. And obviously, then when you bring that from training into match day, that intent and that purpose, obviously it gives you a better chance of performing well and, and getting a result. But even if we don't get a result, it's about going back to the training pitch, training hard, 
being focused, but there's a very fine line between, you know, you can be focused, but still have a laugh, you know? Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be focused and then everyone, no one's laughing and everyone's got a serious face and it's all stiff because then, then it puts more pressure on you. Yeah. You know, you start to get a bit more anxiety, those types of things. Whereas if it's just normal, you know, relaxed, when it's time to work, it's time to work and we know it's time to work. And then outside of that, it's normal. What would you say is your preferred position? Because when I see you, I watch you and I see a swashbuckling midfielder, <laughs> box to box, uh, strong tackle uh, you know. It's, it's, it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one because I'm, I'm a centre midfielder all day long, you know. Um, mm. But obviously the, it's been tricky because the last, I'd say, 18 months, I've not really had a... Been able to say it. Not we've not really had a settled formation mm. with a um, settled squad in terms of you know being a, everyone being available and everyone being fully fit. Because obviously last year we had COVID, there was injuries, there was myself included, there was loads of different things that impacted it. So from a manager's perspective, obviously I could play numerous positions. So for example, last year. We played, I think it was, we played a lot of different formations, like three or four different formations. So when you have that, it's difficult to get a rhythm in your position because you're not playing, you know, you can't build relationships with different players. You can't, you know, build movements and patterns because one week it could be this formation, the next week it could be a different one. So you're asked to do different jobs around a position, you know? So like, for example, we've played, 352 formation last year with Steve. And you know, sometimes I might be playing, you know, or it'd be 532, for example. Sometimes I'll be playing on the right hand side of a midfield three. So the demands of that are totally different to if I'm the middle one of the three. Mm. Or if we play, you know, 442, it's a com- the mid center midfielders, no, no, the, no, all the jobs, the, although you play in midfield, the, the really minute different. details mm. are all different. So you're never really getting an exact, you know, position, you know, you're, you're always having to think about three or four positions in your head. I mean, for example, West Ham this season, the first game of the season was a funny one. So I played 90 minutes and I played three different positions in the 90 minutes. <laughs> so crazy. you're sitting there thinking as a player, mm. I'm, I'm trying to play a position. Like I want to be the best in my position, mm. but in the back of my mind, I've got to think about if there's an injury to someone else or it's not working or you've got to then change to here and then, oh, what's my requirements to do that? But this is all happening while you're playing a Premier League game. What's so understand? Do players like make this clear to the manager? Do they speak to the manager about this? Like, for example, you say you're a centre mid, but you're getting played at right back. Do you make your feelings clear to the manager or do you just... But for me, I, I've, I've been used to it because that's what kind is without being... Yeah... I don't know how to say it, but it's kind of one of my strengths. So mm. I don't want to be, I don't want to shut off one of my strengths, you know? Yeah. So one of my strengths is being versatile. So if that yeah. means that I get to play, play, I want to play every game. Listen, I don't care where Come I on. play. It's right back. I don't care. I want to play, you know? Yeah. So if the manager thinks for a certain game that that's what he believes is best for the team, I'm not going to argue. I'll play wherever he wants to play. But it did get to the point where certainly the the start of the season 
it became tricky, you know, because it, as versatile as I am, it, it's difficult to play three positions in one game. Yeah, you know, for anybody, play of course. Yeah. Centre mid for 60 minutes, then play right of a midfield free, sorry, right of a midfield free for 60 minutes, then middle of a midfield free for 15 minutes, then right centre back for 15 minutes. It's like, <laughs> I mean, it's like you got in your head, you're, you're sitting there thinking, whoa, like all these different things that, you, that you're required to do. Yeah. And it's, with all due respect, it's not like an FA Cup game where you're playing against you know, a lower league opposition, for example, it doesn't matter because the players are not the same quality. When you're playing West Ham and you're playing like, you know, Premier League players, you've got top quality opposition. It's not, they're not bad. They're not, they're not, you know, bad players. They're very, very good players. So it makes it even more difficult. But for me, I'm a centre midfielder. But if, if the manager asks me to do a different job, then I'll always do it. But yeah. I think for the, yeah, for the, to sum it up, the last 18 months, I'd say that it's been a bit tricky for me to really be the best that I can be at my position because one, the formations we've had, not, not necessarily in the last, since Eddie's arrived, but obviously before that, we, we, we'd we had three or four or five different formations. So when it's like that, in my head, I'm thinking I have to be aware of this, be aware of that. So then it takes it away from the focus of one, you know, one main position. So... Mm. Uh, for me, that's that's pretty much sum, summing it up. Fair enough. You know what? It's interesting that you speak about the mind and, and, and obviously the, the example that you gave in terms of just how you have to be so alert and aware in terms of playing three positions in one in one game. Like, that's unheard of. Do you know what I mean? I've never heard of that before. So uh, so fair, fair play and credit to you for that. But on, on, on the mind, because I remember a quote from uh, Sir Arsene Wenger who said that you know some of your 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 strongest uh, characteristics were your intelligence, your concentration, you know, you know how, how intelligent you are on on the pitch and that. And I, I I really wanted to understand where that came from, like like where how 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 do you feel? You know, maybe it, it could be from sort of early days in your in your development in your career perhaps off the pitch, you know, you, you, you're, you're, you're a well-spoken person. I imagine you do, you do a lot of reading or whatever. Like, do you think those things, <laughs> those things contribute I'm, to... I'm a uni student now as well, by the way. Come on. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Makes sense, makes sense. So yeah, like, where do you think that stems from? Like, those being such strong attributes that you have, do you think, you know, maybe life experiences have helped you mould those aspects of, of, of your, your persona? I think I think from a football perspective, it's probably my dad, to be honest, um, mm. because I'll tell you a funny story. So when I was younger, I was desperate to join a Sunday league team. So I was, what was I, eight maybe? Maybe eight or nine. Mm. I was desperate to join a Sunday league. All my mates were playing. I was like, Dad, I want to join. He was like, he's like, yeah, son, I don't really think like you're ready, you know, to, to play with your mates. Like, you know, let's just do some training. So we used to do one, like he used to take me over the park, do one-to-one -one training with me, you know, every weekend, Saturday and Sunday. And then like, if it was the summertime, he used to take me one day in the week over the field. He used to be over there for two hours at a time, mm. <clears throat> doing different drills, various different things. Um, and then after a year of doing that, he then said to me, right, go on, go and, you know, join a Sunday league team. So I joined my local Sunday league team, played one game. Remember the, the manager came on to me and he, he said, oh, he said, you're going to be coming on um, and you're going to play um, left wing. 
And I was like, oh, it's, I didn't. <laughs> and at this point, I was nine. I didn't understand positioning, yeah, obviously. Yeah. So I had no idea. So he's, the guy's telling me, to, the manager's coming on the left wing. My dad's like, right, you're playing left wing. I was like, sweet. I've come on. There's a throw in on the right hand side. Yeah. I've sprinted across the pitch, <laughs> to get the throw in. I've got the throw in. I've turned, dribbled. I think I shot, um, missed, or nearly Sokolke saved it and it went for a corner. And my dad's like, what are you doing? I was like, what do you mean? I was like, I'm just playing. Like, yeah. I want to play. He's like, no, you're left wing. So you stay on the left hand, you know, the left hand side. I was like, what? And I didn't understand because mm. I didn't have a clue. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I was yeah. so oblivious. I just wanted to kick play. a ball around and yeah. play yeah. and score. <laughs> so after that game, he sat me down and said, listen, we need to understand position for pitch. So he got a massive, so we, <laughs> he still got it at home. So he got one of those big, you know, like the, the tactics boards. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. So we used to put the dots there and he, we used to go through it every week. Like, honestly, every week for every position, wow. not just my own, but every position. He used to be like, this is where right back goes. This is the channel. This is where you should be if the ball's on this side, the ball's on that side. So we used to do positioning when I was nine, nine or ten. Wow. So it's been drummed into your head from position. then. Yeah. So, so in my head at nine or ten, this is it. So then when I got to the game, obviously then I understood, you know, I was thinking, right, this is, this is what a striker does. This is what a centre mid does. This is so what I knew. So in whatever position I was asked to play in my head, I was remembering what I was doing, you know, tactics wise with my dad when, you know, when I was at home. So then after that, that's obviously when I got scouted for South End, went there. But that's that is it's, it's from that really that it's ingrained because I I did it when I was nine. So most yeah. kids don't really have that, you know. The tactical it's side of things, yeah. So he was doing the tactical side when I was nine and ten. So when I got to sixteen and we started to obviously do a lot more of it, I was like, yeah, I already know that. Yeah. See, yeah. everyone's talking about Project Mbappe. It should be Project Aiden then. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, is, is ability wise. I've always I've always said about myself is when I speak to young kids anyway is ability wise I've played with fuck like I'm not I'll be honest with you like my ability in terms of um like natural ability is, is mm. decent it's okay but it's not I've played with far better players than me far mm. better and when I mean far better like miles better mm. like I sit there now. Um, I talked to my dad about players that I've played with, you know, under 14s, 15s, 16s. They were miles better than me. Like, miles. Mm. I'm talking, I'm, I'm being deadly honest. Miles better than me. But what sets people apart and what actually gets people to this level is the dedication, the hard work, and the mentality to, to be able to keep going when there's setbacks or whatever it is. And mm. it's, honestly, I'm telling you, there's players that should have made it. That if they had, if they had my... Like mentality and mm. hard work and belief, they they would be much better players than me. But it's just that sometimes they don't have that, you know. Yeah. So yeah. for me, I I always sit there and think my career is based off of a mentality and hard work and desire more so than ability. Mm. Because my ability, yeah, of course, is good. You've got to, you've got to be half decent to play in the Premier League. But I wouldn't say that I'm a great player or. I'm technically amazing or mm. there's something in my game that's really amazing. I just say that it's built upon a desire and a mentality and a, and a team ethic and a team work rate that gets me to this point. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, mm. but mm. I would say that's why the Newcastle fans love you. You put 
everything yeah. on that football pitch. Yeah, and yeah, you know yeah. that Isaac Hayden is always going to give 100%. Mm. If there's a 50-50, you're going in. Yeah. You're oh, going I'll in, you're leaving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that's leads me to... There. That's my, that's my <laughs> <laughs> I think that leads yeah. me to my final question before we just go on to a little bit off the pitch. Um, what is your message to the Newcastle fans? I think just... He said they they've been wonderfully good all season. To be honest, um, I think it's it's difficult to to ask for any anything else from them. To be quite honest with you, I mean we played City the other day, we were four 0 down, and they were still singing their hearts out in the ninety fourth minute. So I think it's just stick with us. I think the majority you're always going to get the minority that 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 maybe are, are very annoyed or. or not happy that that happens at every football club you're never going to be able to please everyone but i think the majority of fans the fans that go to games the fans that have been season ticket holders or or go to the matches regularly will understand that the lads are given everything um especially since the new manager eddie's come in we've we've been you know working very hard and putting a lot more um better performances together okay we haven't got results in some games but performances have been better than they have been and they can see that we're building something and, and moving forwards rather than going backwards. So I think the main message is to stick with us, stick with the with the gaffer and the staff and and, and trust that, that he knows what he's doing because he does. Uh, and as I said, we'll hopefully churn out some more victories in the new year uh, and push forwards as a team. Good message, man. Yeah, 100%. Lovely. Right, like, like Dot said, so we're going to talk about, uh, you know, life away from... Uh, of the uh, away from the game and off the pitch. So when you're not training, <laughs> when you're not studying, as you mentioned, you're uh, you're a uni student now. Yeah. What yeah. what does what does Isaac Hayden do in his spare time? Cool, tricky one. What do I do? Well, walk the dog. Yeah. Dog's fast asleep next to me. So <laughs> walk the dog. Usually, I've got a four-year-old daughter. So it's. That's another full time job. Family That's man. That's another full time <laughs> job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's this da- it's daddy time. Um, that's pretty. That's pretty much it, really. Obviously. Yeah, I can relate. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really, it's not really much else. It's just normal life, you know. Yeah. Right? But it said it's it's more like because when you don't get to spend, it said with football, you're away a lot of the time at weekends and stuff. So that's obviously when my daughter's off school. Mm. Um, so I just try to spend as much time with her as as possible, really, um, and do things as a family all together, and 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 obviously to have that family time. I think it's important, um, and that's about it. I don't really, I'm not really, I'm not really a big into anything else. I mean, I'm not a drinker really, so I, I'm not like big into going out. I'm mm. not massively into nightclubs, things like that. Um, I'm a big golf fan when it's warm, not at the moment because it's freezing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we a few of the lads play golf. Quite a few of us play, um, especially when it's summertime. We get you know a good few rounds in, and that's always good fun because um, it's a bit of healthy competition. Yeah. Um, so we will try and be the best player in the in the squad. Um, you know, so it's, it's always always good fun. John Joe's definitely leading that one though at the minute. Oh um, right, okay. We actually we had him on. Very, we had him on here. Very, very good. Um, very, very good golfer. Um, so, you know, that's uh, I'm a big cyclist as well. Okay. So, um, yeah, go out on the go on the bike, especially in the summertime. It's it's really, really nice. You know, with mm. with friends um, from around the area. Um, 
go out on, bike, on the bike, get on the Strava, and um, yeah, yeah. see what records I can beat on there. Yeah, classic. That's about it. Are you are you into fashion much or you just you know go what? into work? Really. Tracky, I must admit, tracky I'm not a big, I'm not, do you know what it is? I think, I think everyone's different, aren't they? You know, loads of people have different sort of things that they're, that they're into. Um, but for me, I think being in Newcastle, um, it's not, it's a bit different to living in London, you know? Right. Like there's really no one, no one cares about Louis Vuitton or okay, well, Gucci. Or what about, what about Alan St. Maximin? What's he, what's he, <laughs> I'm sure he's he's, yeah, he's, he's got style to be fair. The kid's got, yeah, he's got style. <laughs> what a, what <laughs> a player, what a player. What a player. <laughs> what a player. <laughs> yeah, he's a great character to have around. He, he really is. He's a, he's a good kid to be fair. Like he's mm. a, a little bit misunderstood by some, but he's, he's a good kid. And he, he yeah, talent wise, natural natural ability i'll probably say between him and santi gazola are the best two players that i've trained and played wow. with for natural ability like in terms of just raw ability santi had no physical attributes whatsoever in terms of size mm. speed pace Strength. stamina yeah, yeah. couldn't right, really run but technically outrageous like yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. outrageous like his feet were so quick his left and right foot was basically the same <laughs> um his vision his like his weight of part everything was technically was was probably the best player i've played of technically but his, his technique was ridiculous yeah. um but then in terms of raw ability alan is You've never Joke. seen it. Honestly, I'm telling you, you've never <laughs> seen anything like it before. There's not one player in the Premier League. I'm being dead serious. There's not one player in the Premier League who's got the raw ability that that he has. It's it's, wow. it's outrageous. Yeah. It's wow. outrageous. I'm telling you. Obviously, you've got all Cross, the other players. I'm not course. saying that he's the best player in the Premier League. Yeah, 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 when yeah, he gets going, I'm can't touch raw him. ability. Yeah, like raw, like genuinely raw genetical ability. He's frightening. Because yeah. yeah. I mean, when he dribbles a bit and he beats three or four players, he's thinking like. <laughs> What? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That, it's a joke. He's done it's that. Joke. Do you know what I mean? Like, he, it's like he. But it's also. It's like he doesn't know either. Do you know what I mean? But <laughs> yeah. It's quite. It's quite hard to describe. It's like he. he he's dribbling, but it's like a. Fi it's like FIFA. Like <laughs> he's, he's just playing. Oh, he's yeah, just playing. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like it's like someone's controlling with an analog stick and like we're just mannequins. Yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking he's dribbling past me. I'm thinking what? I'm thinking. The only way you can really do tackle him is if you foul him sometimes. Yeah, bring him down. Yeah. I've done yeah. that in training, yeah? You've done that to yeah. him, yeah? I've just pulled him down. Like I've, just, I've just literally rugby tackled him. Just gone, right, you're not going anywhere. Just chucked him on the floor. But, he, but even then, he's strong, you know? Yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. He looks it. He looks quite yeah, built, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very, very strong. He Honestly. When, so he rides tackles very well, but you have to when you've got that dribbling ability. But yeah, yeah. like, honestly, sometimes to foul him, you just literally just have to just yeah. pull him down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, you think, right, not today, they just go bang. Yeah. But no, he, he's, a, he's a special talent. And I really do believe that that given time, I think Eddie will get, get the best out of him because I do honestly believe that he's got some some special, special talent yeah. uh, to be able to reach the top level. It's just getting getting it out there on a more consistent basis. 100%. Uh, Isaac, final one from me. Uh, Two-part question. Um, yeah. The first part is, 
what what are you watching at the moment on Netflix? If you're watching anything, what series are you are you into? And uh, part B is what is your most played song on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever oh. streaming uh, platform you use? <laughs> oh, tricky one. So watching, um, believe it or not, I've not watched anything new just mm. yet. Um, but I'm rewatching Queen of the South. Right. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good so, shout. honestly, it's unbelievable. Good shout, oh. good shout. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. good. But I, I've already watched it once, but I'm re-watching it again. Yeah, it so yeah. Picking up all the action nuggets <laughs> yeah, that you might yeah, have missed first been, time. Yeah, yeah, it's always like that. <laughs> and then Spotify, I can tell you actually my most played song. Oh, yeah, because okay, Spotify yeah, Wrapped came yeah, out. It's yeah, not, yeah, not, too, not too long ago, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. 2021 My most song of 2021 is Double Up. By okay. Nipsey Hussle. Okay. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's a tune. Rough that is a tune. Yeah, legend. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that tune when I'm <laughs> <Sorry>. driving. <laughs> Chill, just laid back. Yeah. Just yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I like the way you think, mate. I like the way you think. That song is yeah, that yeah. that that's a top one for me. That's so, a good tune. That's a good tune. So yeah, that, that those two. No, I just want to say it's been a pleasure, Isaac. Thank you yeah, for taking man. out the time. And we wish you all the best for the rest of the season. And hopefully you guys can pull it off and stay, stay in the Premier League. Yeah, 100%. Not not nothing else to add, man. Isaac, it's been an absolute pleasure again. Thank you pleasure, so much for you. taking out the time. I really appreciate it. Honestly, it's been such a, a chilled, uh, you know, kickback of a chat. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just yeah. been really, really good, man. And I think also the message to, to the Newcastle faithful will, will, will definitely resonate and go down really, really well. You know, as Dot mentioned, we wish you all the best for the season ahead, or the rest of the season, of course. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, everyone rallies together. Eddie Howe gets a tune out of everyone and, and you know, and you guys finish the, the season really strong. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. The best, man. All right. So thank you very much, listeners, for tuning in up until this point in time. If you're not yet following us on Twitter, it's at podcast underscore TBG. On Instagram at pod underscore TBG. Subscribe to our YouTube, like the video. You can see all of our interviews on there as well with, um, you know, different players and, and people within the game of football. And keep tuned. We've got bigger and better things coming. Thank you very much for all of your listenership throughout the year, mm. you know, and all your support throughout the year. 2022 is coming fast and we've got some big things coming, man. So stay locked, stay tuned with us. We're going to leave it there. Anything happy, else to add? Yeah. Happy New Year, because it's happy, coming out yeah, in the yeah, New yeah. Year. So. Happy New Year, guys. Uh, have a great one. And from the, the, the TBG team, over and out. Peace. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. 
That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.